Well, good evening. It is such an honor to be here with you guys tonight to share a little bit. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, this morning, as I was, or when I finished preaching and finished everything we were doing, I had several people come up to me really concerned. And they said, are you feeling okay today? I said, I think so. Do, do I look different? I said, well, you're wearing shoes today. And so I'm really appreciative that you were up here barefoot and in sandals, because I wasn't sure if I could come barefoot or in sandals, so I put on shoes to the surprise of many. <laughs> Thank you again for letting me be here today. As Pastor Doug said, my name is Adam, and I'm the pastor of The Point. Uh, to share a little bit about being good neighbors and what God's been laying on my heart about being neighborly, I want to share with you tonight a little of who I am and who we as The Point are, and then um, a little bit of what he's been doing and how this text from Acts relates to that. So we'll start with who I am. Uh, my name is Adam. I'm married eight years, eight and a half almost. I have three kids, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a one-year-old. And uh, they keep me busy when I'm not here all the time. In fact, they love being here, so they also keep me busy when I'm here because they're always asking to come join me here, usually just to make a mess in the kids' room. But I've been in Knoxville for about four years. Uh, I moved here straight out of seminary. So before seminary, I worked for eight years at doing youth ministry. And I've learned in the last four years that uh, leading a congregation is not much different than junior high ministry. It's often awkward and weird, and yet you love people so deeply and dearly that eventually you get past that weird and awkward, and everybody really loves it. So I went to seminary per the suggestion of the church I was on staff with. In fact, when they first asked me to go to seminary, I gave them the most southern answer I could give, which was, I'll pray about it, with no intention to do that. And sure enough, God worked and moved and showed me that his broken church, his body that is filled with sinners just like me, is lovable. So I went to seminary to love his people. I told the seminary I would love to end up on the West Coast. I'm from Nebraska. I used to live in San Francisco. And so I really wanted to end up San Francisco or north. Anywhere north of San Francisco was ideal. And the seminary said, how about Tennessee? I was in St. Louis at the time, so not even close to the right direction. But I said, so be it. So the day came where the seminary was announcing where we were going. And there was rumor that I might be going to one of two churches in San Francisco. And I was hopeful. And so the first church gets called for a friend of mine. I was like, oh, that's really cool. I'm glad he's going to be in the same city as I am. I just can't wait. And I kid you not, four people in front of me, the second church gets called. And suddenly I was left with, uh-oh, now what? And found out I was coming to Tennessee, and my wife and I rejoiced, though we had no idea what that meant. Uh, thankfully, coming from Nebraska, I know a little bit about living in a place that loves their football team even when they're losing. So uh, I felt right at home with that. But we got here and it took a lot to learn what's it like to live in Knoxville and to love our neighbors in Knoxville. And I have to be totally honest, at first, we hated it. It was really hard. 
If you're from the South, born and raised, you have no idea that the South is really strange and the rest of the country is not like here. And sometimes that's a great thing and sometimes it's a hard thing. And so we were trying to figure out how do we live in Knoxville with all of our family 13 hours or further away, how do we make a new life here? So that brings me to the point. The point was planted as a church in 2010 under another pastor who January 1st of 2017 took a call to New Jersey where he is now leading kind of a network of church planters. It's exactly his fitting and it's so good for him. But that left the point up in the air with no pastor for six months. Now the point is a rather unique group of people. And I realized when I got here, there's really two things that join most of the people at the point together. Most of them have been divorced, and most of them smoke. And that's what they had in common. It's like, okay, what am I doing here, God? Not only this, the point was meeting in a movie theater. At the time, we were meeting in the Westtown Mall. And I got here end of June, so actually coming up like a day or two from now is four years from when I got here. And I got here end of June, and middle of July, the mall said to us, by the way, we're doing renovations, so you guys have until December 31st to find a new place to go. You're going to have to move. So right out of seminary, they threw me into find a building. You guys know that joy, right? It just happens overnight when you're not expecting it. Well, we spent several months looking for a place to go, and we put together all the criteria, the things that were important to us, and the biggest thing on the list, because most of our demographics were people who had been really burned by the church, we said, above all else, we cannot find a space that looks like a church. (laughs) So... In December of 2018, we moved into the downtown West Regal Cinema, just a few blocks west of there, and we continued to meet in a movie theater, all the while wondering, when will we end up in a space that we don't have to set up and tear down every week? When will we find a space that we can have community beyond Sunday morning, that we don't have to always be searching just for a place to gather? Well, in God's wonderful timing... Uh, We moved in the last two weeks of December 2018, and with all the work of moving all of our stuff out of the mall and getting ready, my wife and I decided, you know, there's another church in town that's having a Christmas Eve Eve service on the 23rd of December. Let's go and have zero responsibility. Won't it be nice to just worship together and connect together? And so we came here to this building for, at the time, what was Ignition Church, and then they became Maker City Church, for their very first service in this space. And we sat right next to that pole over there. There was a pew at the time there. I sat on one side of the pole and she was on the other because that's where we found space. And it was wonderful. And we walked out to the courtyard out there and we stood around a fire. And we said, it would be awesome if someday the point had a space like this. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, lo and behold, 2020 came along. There's this thing called COVID. I don't know if you've heard of it. But COVID shut down the movie theater, so we had no choice but to be exclusively online. 
And out of the kindness of her heart, the one other staff person at the point, our worship leader, uh, she lives in a 400-square-foot apartment about three blocks from here. And she said, we could worship out of my apartment. What do you think? Sounds awesome. So we packed six people in that little apartment every single week for 17 weeks so we could live stream from her couch. I tell you what, people really liked live streaming from their couch while I was on her couch. And it got really fun because her cat sometimes joined the live stream. Sometimes in ways that was nice and fun, you just see a tail walk by, like, you know, Jaws. And other times, uh, you could hear the sound of the cat standing behind the camera, throwing up. (laughs) What a joy. But while we were in that apartment, one day I was driving down on the interstate and I looked over to this building and I thought of the the, the pastor here, Pastor Hunter, And I was just curious how he was doing through COVID. So when I got to her place, as I sat in the parking lot, I sent him a text praying for you. I hope you're doing well. And he replied, we're doing great. Do you want to share our building? Uh, Wasn't planning on that today. So in the course of a week and a half, we got, I got together with him. We got all of our team together. All 13 of us came down here and walked through the building. And one lady, God bless her. Oh, wait, in the South, it's bless her heart, right? Uh, We walk through the building. We're asking Hunter questions. How will this work if we're sharing the space? What, What will we do together? How will we make this happen? And she looks at me and goes, doesn't this look like a church? Yes, it does. And she said, is that a problem? I don't know. So I asked the 13 people, go home and ask God, is it a problem that we're in a space that looks like a church? Or should we keep looking? And they went home and they all sent me a message separately throughout the course of the next week. Seems good to us. And so July of last year, we moved into the neighborhood right here. And I tell you what, it was awesome and awful See, it was awesome because we don't have to set up and tear down every week, which means we actually have time to like slow down and just be, which is great. And it was awesome because we could begin to dream how do we use this space to connect with our neighbors and to love and to serve. And it was so exciting to know like there's something coming. We don't know what, but it'll be great. And it was also awful because we have several neighbors around here who don't have a place to live other than our porch. And there was a whole lot of pain in trying to learn how do we love our neighbors, all of them, really well. There's a whole lot of pain in picking up trash and needles and other problems in the neighborhood and saying, how do we love everyone well? So we came up with a brilliant idea. There's floodlights in front of the building. If we turn those on really bright, Nobody will want to sleep here. Well, there's also people who live in the apartments next door, and it turns out really bright floodlights in their windows make them not want to sleep there either. And so immediately we began to get all kinds of messages from the neighbors, uh, those who were next door and those who were living on our porch saying, why are you doing this? I thought, I have no idea what I'm doing, yet alone why. So fast forward now, we've been here a year, and we hope that God will let us never leave. 
See, what we've learned in this year is that there are three kinds of neighbors here that God has called us to love. First, we have our neighbors who are paying to live here. And their needs and their desires and the things that burden their heart are very different than the neighbors that are not paying to live here, but still need love. So we have those that pay to live here and those that don't pay to live here. And then we have another kind of neighbor. We have people who are paying to have a business here. And their needs are very different than the ones who are sleeping on our porch or sleeping in our floodlight windows next door. Their needs are very different. How do we as the church meet our neighbors when they're all in very different places? So that leads me to this text, which quite honestly has very little to do with meeting our neighbors, but a lot to do with what God has been teaching me over the course of the last several months, and I want to share with you. Here's this text in Acts. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. When we moved into this neighborhood, we had some who were really uncomfortable. That's not the neighborhood we're used to. Are you sure we should be in a space that doesn't have cup holders but has pews? Like, are, are we really sure that's where we want to be? I love how this begins. Get up and go. It's a desert place. It's not going to be a wonderful place. It's not going to be a vacation. You're not going to love it. Just get up and go. And other than the direction, the angel doesn't say much more. And I, I wonder if Philip had any moment where he thought to himself, was that God or was that me? I don't know that I want to go that direction, but I will. We don't know how he was feeling or what he was thinking, but it says he arose and he went. And this is the thing that I love the most. As he's going... He encounters a man, and not just any man, a man who's seeking to know the Lord, who wants to know what God is doing, a man who was there in Jerusalem worshiping, but yet hadn't heard of who Jesus was. Philip, he encounters this man along the way, and verse 30 says this, So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. Now, I don't own a chariot, if any of you do. That's kind of cool. But I don't know how fast chariots go. But clearly this man in a chariot's not going down the road that fast because Philip could run to him and meet him, could catch up with him. One of the things the Lord has been putting on my heart over the last several months and what's reshaping how we as the point love our neighbors is I believe wholeheartedly most of us never have the chance to run to somebody who's seeking Jesus. And the reason we don't have that chance is because we spend too much time going too fast past them. We drive from here to there and miss everything in the middle. We get in our cars and get in the fast lane and go just enough above the speed limit you won't get caught, but, you know, slow enough that you'll also be fine if you do. And we hurry to the place we're trying to be. And then we go to the grocery store and we, we calculate which line's moving the fastest and how do I get into that line. 
And then when that line's not the fastest, we get mad because we miscalculated and we wish we would have chosen a different line because it would have saved us just a moment. And we find ourselves day after day going and going and going, but never really getting anywhere. Philip, he comes across this man who is reading from Isaiah, and he asks a simple question, do you understand what you are reading? And the man says, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Then the story continues, and he reads this passage that is clearly referring to Jesus, the one who was led to the slaughter like a sheep, like a lamb before its shearer is silent. And the eunuch says, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? See, Philip, listening to God, is in a position to hear this man who's just curious what does this mean? And what is God doing? And Philip is in a position because of his faithfulness to respond. It says this, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Now, I emphasize there this scripture because I'm certain Philip probably also shared other scripture. There's a good chance he probably would have shared more than just this scripture, but he began where the man was. This is the question you have? The thing that's burning on your heart? Let me tell you more. And he begins to then tell him about Jesus. And there's this moment that I think every pastor hopes for and few of us are prepared for, where a mostly stranger says, can I get baptized right now? Is there anything stopping us from doing this now? So they stop, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. As I was thinking about sharing tonight, there were Dozens of scripture stories I thought about sharing. Stories of Jesus on his way as he's going, encountering a woman who's needing healing. Stories of Jesus as he's going, being stopped by people, asking him for help, seeking his mercy, needing something that he could offer them. I thought about countless stories where Jesus sends out his disciples and says, go. And they come back and say, we can't believe it all these things that have happened along the way. But I chose this story. And I chose this one simply because I really like it, but also because I think for many of us, if we were to just slow down to create space for God to move, we would actually begin to see not only that there are people in our lives or who will become part of our lives, people who are hungry for God. Not only are those people there, I believe when we slow down and listen, we'll begin to see that you and I are already equipped to love our neighbor, to share with them this good news and this hope that we have. And so for me and for the point, loving our neighbors over the course of the last several months 
has looked really simple, kind of boring. We have made a point to consistently, every week, walk the neighborhood. That's all we do. We don't prayer walk, though sometimes we pray. We don't walk with the intent of looking for somebody to share the gospel to. We don't walk to find those who are hungry or hurting. We simply walk. And along the way, we've met all kinds of neighbors. Along the way, we've realized, hey, a great church is moving in just down the street. I wonder if they need a space for a while until that happens. Along the way, We've gotten to know some of the owners of the businesses and heard some of their story and some of their pain and some of the things that would serve them well. We don't have answers, but we keep walking one little bit at a time. And I found it's not just when we as a church go on these walks and just look and see what God might be doing. When I practice this at home, I've noticed my neighbor's are hurting. In fact, sometimes just walking with God might be as simple as walking across the street and introducing yourself to a neighbor you've lived by for years. My wife and I started this back in, at Thanksgiving time. We just decided with COVID, we can't gather inside, but we definitely won't survive the winter with kids alone. So we needed somebody around us And our neighbors had kids, and I didn't know at the time my neighbor's name. So we walked across the street and said, do you want to come sit by a fire? Do you want to have Thanksgiving dessert outside with us? We just walked over there. And almost every single Saturday since that moment, we've gotten together with our neighbors and sat around a fire. And now it's a little too hot, so yesterday we set up an inflatable and our kids played on this water slide inflatable. That was a mess and a disaster, but you know what? They had fun. And we sat in the shade and we talked. We've done this almost every week since Thanksgiving. And in doing this, we've found all sorts of ways to love our neighbor. Like there have been multiple times where our neighbor has shared with my wife struggles they're having as parents. What do we do? Or times when they've sent us a text saying, we are desperately in need of help because we might kill our kids. And for those of you who don't have kids, if you, get, if you get the joy of having them, someday you'll be there. And so we just walk across the street, take 20 minutes out of our day to help them calm down. I've found when I meet with people from the point who are going through some kind of crisis or trouble and they're seeking spiritual advice, if I ask them, do you want to go on a walk while we talk? They often say yes. And if we walk and they begin to get worked up and emotional, I just slow down. And it brings them peace and they slow down with me. And if they're talking about something that maybe should be emotional and they're just dismissing it, I just walk a little faster and then they begin to get worked up about it. It's amazing how walking changes things. And it's supposed to be healthy for me too, so that's also a bonus. This story of Philip, the angel just says, go on your way. And then when he does as he's being faithful and as he's going, God shows up. 
I don't know what the future will hold for the point or for all souls or for both of us in this neighborhood. I don't know how things will change or be different for better or for worse. But I believe wholly and completely that if you and I just commit to going in simple ways, like a walk in the morning or on our lunch break or across the street, If we just commit to creating space for that, we will see God show up and not only show up, give us opportunity time after time to share with our neighbors this hope that we have. Can I tell you about Jesus, the one who forgives me when I want to kill my children? Can I tell you about Jesus who gives me this hope when I'm overwhelmed and stressed? Can I share with you some of his peace, whatever life may bring? So with that, I want to leave you with this. Thank you again for being our neighbors. I'm looking forward to getting to know you all, or here in the South, y'all, all y'all quite a bit. And I'm looking forward to my walks, where I get to walk past your space and see the work God is doing there. And sometimes he'll lead me to pray. And sometimes, maybe, he'll lead you to do the same. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you have brought us all into this place. The point and all souls, your church, one body. And God, we thank you that you have invited us to just go to trust that you will be enough, that you will move in your timing, you will show us what to do, who to talk to, what to say. So God, we pray like Philip, that when you move us to go, we would go, and we would use our eyes to see the people who are already asking, who is this? And God, we pray that you give us the boldness and the peace to love our neighbors with everything in us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.